still a heads up, right? I got braces. I got braces, so now I have a lift. <laughs> this is a very COVID statement the current <laughs> But I'm going to try. With the mask, it's fine. And then I took it off early and I realised I spit. So I'm sorry to the front row. I may suggest a COVID test after me. <laughs> but anyway, I'll stand back here for a bit. And uh, if I turn it... Okay, so we're grand. I'll try not to slap my lips. Okay, so good morning. Um, there's so many things that I find funny about this whole COVID thing. Now, it's very serious. If you talk to me, I do take it serious. I work in the medical here. I know how serious it is. But also, I think I'll give me gift to see the funny side of a lot of things. Because I've seen a lot of sadness in my life. And I think it's a gift from God that I can still laugh. So, the thing I think is hilarious is looking at you all with your masks on. Because <laughs> it looks very rarely do you have such an array of masks. <laughs> and it's become like a fashion statement. And also, how much we can communicate with our eyes. Like, turn to a person beside you and say, hey. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> so, you don't, don't use the words. It's like a weird name of charades. Like, turn to her, come on, look at them and be like. <laughs> like, it's like a man thing. Like, I can look at my kids across the playground and be like, I can have a mask on and they know what I'm saying. So try and threaten someone with your eyes there, on. Someone who's been really annoying in church. Come on. Come on. Patrice, straight to Rob. That comment wasn't funny. But um, we, there's, we're going to go through Ephesians today, okay? And we're talking about family. And the reason I said it was important to start with laughing is we've all been through some really tough, it's not even months now, it's years. And it's good to laugh and it's healing. And it's in, if you think about it on paper, in the seriousness of everything, it sounds awful that you'd be laughing, but you need to. God gave us joy and God gave us laughter and it's healing, okay? So take a deep breath and just exhale. Because what we're going to talk about today is Ephesians 1 to 3. And a big part of it is that we're in a family. Do you know, and I think I love about Irish people and um, funerals and stuff. You'll always find people laughing. And if you, we don't realize that like that's not normal until there's someone who's not from Ireland and they're like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> you know, you can be at a wake, very serious. First of all, people are eating over the body, which is, if you think about it, it's just odd. And then they're laughing. And I'm, I'm proud to be where I'm from. And I'm proud of our quirkiness. And I, I think it's a part of what God has put in us as a nation and that we can teach the world that, that this is part of who God is. So we're going to talk about family and we're going to talk about that we're part of God's But that's not all our stories. So when you mention family, just so we like trigger. <laughs> no, it's a, it can bring up so many different things. So let's park what we think we know family is because of our field experience. And let's look about what God says about family. Because as we're going to read he has promised us no matter where you come from, no matter what background, no matter what trauma you have felt, no matter how some of the closest people who you were supposed to care for you hurt you, there is hope. 
God has promised you a safe, healing, holy place where you can be restored. And it doesn't matter um, that this person started to be different. They don't need to know your pain. We all have pains um, for it to be true. That God is doing for the person beside you what he's doing for you. Okay? So let's read through this. I'm going to open up here now. So we, we're, the, these scriptures, Ephesians 1 and 3, are within the Bible phobia. And so previously you've been in Galatians. And a big theme in Galatians has been, like Rob did really well last week, and I asked him so many didn't record it, so I heard he preached really well. I don't think the scriptures are Kids are amazing, but I heard they're amazing. So, um, a big thing when I was reading through was the whole, trying to fix that whole thing, them and us, Jew and Gentile. Now, Ireland as a nation doesn't really have this huge feeling. We don't really understand the history an awful lot. And um, sometimes we don't get the gravity. But the main thing we can understand is within a concept of them and us. The big separation between people. And a big thing in Galatians is Paul saying there's no separation anymore. It's not them and us, it's we. It's inclusive, not exclusive. The gospel is inclusive, not exclusive. The thing I love for you, Rob sometimes put up the Maverick City worship videos. I love them because that's the way heaven's going to look. Every colour, every style of people is early in that. Some people are jumping up and down and being like, we say like a crazy person. <laughs> and some people are on the ground, like just pouring out. And some people are just standing still. Some people are black, some people are white, some people are Asian, everything. That's what heaven's going to be like because the gospel is inclusive, not exclusive. And as we move into Ephesians, that is still kept as a theme. So we're just going to start it there. Um, I'll try not to skip in because we'll read Ephesians. Okay. So Ephesians 1, chapter 1. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. Even before uh, he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgiveness of our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Now I really encourage you this week, even if you're not doing the Bible project, go through that whole um, the three chapters, but especially the first one, because basically when you go into all, if you, if you do Bible study, you go into all the courses and people who studied it much deeper and have much better intellect than I'll ever have, they draw out the fact that um, the whole thing of inheritance and what it means. So I'm just going to look at that really quickly. So we know inheritance, and I don't know about you, but what I usually hear about inheritance is usually Irish family fighting over land. Okay, so it's a bit negative. You're like, that's mine. I deserve that. You know, 
it really can tear people apart. And the reason God speaks about inheritance in this, um, Paul is writing, because he wanted to let the people know who he was writing to. And that things have changed. If under the old race, the old race was the, um, the Jewish tradition. If you look open the book of Matthew, the first line is they're tracing Jesus' lineage back very back to Abraham. In the Jewish culture, everybody back in the Bible time could trace it where I am the son of this, I am the daughter of this person, and this person, and they can go back hundreds of generations. If you think back to the story of um, the birth of Jesus, why were Mary and Joseph going back to Bethlehem? Because that's where the people were from. And every person during that time could trace their ancestry. And you were chosen and you were holy because of who you were and who you came from and your tradition. You could be born into it. But then Jesus came and changed everything. Now, you are Gentile. You are far away. You are not born into the right family. You do not have a tradition. But Christ has welcomed you in. He has bought you a place in the family of Christ. So we get inheritance. Your inheritance is yours. You could say, I am all right. Like Paul said, I am the Pharisee of Pharisees. I can trace my lineage back. I am holy. I am good. I am pure. I am the best. But guess what? Jesus changed it all. Jesus changed it all. Now, if you are an orphan, you have family. If you are lost, you are found. If you are broken and traumatized, you have a safe human place. You are welcome at the table. When I think of family, I always imagine um, not to do a stereotype rude in my college. We know a big Italian family. And you know, like I think it was probably I got this being a kid growing up and watching like the olive oil ads and telling there's a giant table and there's just bread everywhere, which is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And everybody's eating and everybody's talking, and there's a huge, and there's always a place at the table. There's always a place at the table. And this is the point. Um, your inheritance is there, there's a place at the table for you. Your inheritance is that there is a place for you at the table. And what is the table? The table is the church. Now, one thing about the South Point during the pandemic, everything put me wrong. My kids had absolutely no interest in anything that was happening on a computer screen. Like they couldn't. So a couple of weeks ago, we told them we were coming here. They were getting dressed in the morning. I told Ben, the seven-year-old, we're going to church. He was like, I'm on the computer. And I said, No, real church. And he's getting dressed in his boxes and the he's like, I'm going to real church. <laughs> And he wasn't talking about this delightful lemon room. He was talking about the people. He missed Penny. He missed Daniel. He missed Rob playing sitar. My dad's right with that little problem. But, you know, he's all church is the people. We kind of think, you know, like that, even though most people in Ireland have grown up Irish, so there is like this big thing about church, and sometimes we take that on, even though we're not in it anymore. And church is the people. And um, have you ever felt left out? So there's a thing in Kenny's like you may not remember something, but there's then a feeling attached to it. So if I ask you, and so I say, Gary, turn to me left out, you're like, I really can't remember. But if I get you, close your eyes for a second. 
and just tell me, just think about what does it feel like to be left out. So I have a, just let you feel the feeling for a minute. You may not have a time, but what do you think it feels like? It's not, not it doesn't feel good. No one's opened their eyes now, we think, I can't see your smile, but I assume no one has a smile on their face behind their mask. You start just feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. And I had a silly story, I remember like, I've had many times where I felt like this, but uh, the one that's appropriate and doesn't have any compromising stories is when I was um, 12 and we're in sixth class and someone's having a birthday party and everybody else in the class got invited. Everybody. Now it was my own fault. I was actually friends with her and we were all like, oh yeah, no, she's like, I'm so, you know, you know, teenage girls, everything. She's like, I'm like, so stressed. Like, I can't invite everybody. My mom doesn't have, like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, it's fine. Don't invite me. Like, I'm grand. I'm not actually accepting her not <laughs> And then she didn't invite me. <laughs> and and then I go home and I'm devastated. Out of like 28 kids, 28, 27 went and then there was me. And I knew it was my own fault and it was a decision I had said and I was unfair. Like, but that was bad. And then it was worse than being on the school and everybody's talking about the party and you're not there. And I'm like a uh, year old woman and I can still remember what that feeling feels like. Because we're not made to be on our own. We're not made to be on our own. We have all these voices like the mainstream community, churches, family, community. And you can say them, and they're real like words, but the thing is, you are not made to be on your own. God made you knowing full well that you would have a need in you to be with other people. And he put in his word that you are in a family. Part of a broken world is that like you are going to feel alone. Like this is not a perfect world. This world is broken. If we like that whole posterity gospel where like everything's on the ground, everything's gonna be fine, you should always have to like we need to expect that things are not going to be the way God wants them to be. But we have a hope. I don't think bring the Bible with this is heavy, but I'm waving this. This is actually the printed version. This is what, like the Bible, my favorite, tells us that there is hope, that you have a family. This world may be broken, but God has found a way to fix you and fix us. He's placed us in a family. And remember when we say family, check yourself. A family is whole, is healthy, is safe. And that's the inheritance that God has for you. And you don't have to wait till we're in heaven. It is going to be perfect in heaven, but even here in this place, this morning, you are in a family. And you have that inheritance. Let me read something for you now. In chapter 1 again, verse 3 says, You were blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are holy and blameless. Verse 4. 5 and 6 says, We are adopted as God's children. Verse 7 says, Our sins are taken away and we are forgiven. Verse 10 and 11 says, we will be brought uh, under the authority of Christ. Not under someone else's rules that says, you're, you don't have a place. You're not welcome here. Verse 13 says, we are identified as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. So chapter 1 is all about saying, you are in the family, you have a place. 
When a third fact is reframed 16 times in my translation, Christ is mentioned. And it's very clear that they're making the point of um, uh, inheritance, family, family. Christ is always there. And why do you need to say 16? If that was like John, 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 you'd be like, this is a question of John. But it's Christ, it's Jesus. How do we have that place? Why do we have that place? We only have that place because of what Jesus did for us. So everybody is welcome here. But if you want to see the true fruits of that inheritance, if you want to see the true healing, it comes through Christ. And it's important to remember that. And why do they put that in? Because we as people have this thing called an independent spirit. Look at Adam and Eve. Everything was going perfect. And then they wanted to try solo. I want to know everything. I want to make my own choices. I want to be able to do this for myself. I want to hide that in. We have that in us. And Paul was trying to, like, this letter that he wrote, so um, Ephesians is a letter. And it was a letter written to a church in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And he was speak, he knew these people, and he, they weren't from the Jewish tradition, so a lot of their knowledge may be about, about Christ and how God works. We all knew and learned. But everybody knew about families, because everybody comes from a family. You may not know your family, but to get in this world, like, family is how God has built the world. And the world is broken, it doesn't always work, and there's very many things, but he thought, if I use this analogy, if I use this to explain, people will get it. Because this is God's plan. So we remember Christ, not as a fleeting thing. Like, I can give you this pep talk, and it can be, you are this, you are this, you are healing. And it's just a pair of positive thinking if you don't remember Christ. So the second chapter is about remembering why we are having Christ. Why do we have to do How did I get here? Here's the thing. No Every time you say, I want to become a Christian again, and if you have that anointing, <laughs> but no one ever saves anybody. Jesus saved. And we can feel, I need to know, I need to share the gospel. Sometimes. We too, tend to be two ways. We go, I need to share the gospel. It's like, I don't know my hands. <laughs> but um, no one ever, I never save anybody. It's only Christ. And we're constantly reminded of that in scripture because we have that independent spirit. When we start thinking we're all right, we kind of start stepping away from Christ and realizing. And that means then you're all right. And you start thinking that right and you're like, well, I'm a good, I'm a good Christian. I'm like, I'm a good one. Like I'm really good. Then you start, well, they don't look like me. They don't sound like me. We first don't hear that's actually the people. But this person is like they they don't deserve the grace that I got because I did all this to get this. But if you realize I don't deserve this, there's nothing that I did to be right with God. There is nothing that I did to be right with God. It is only by the grace of God that I stand here. I am only saying after the last few years of Christ. There's no way. It's not that you're just, oh, you're just, you're just so, you're so good. I am not. It is Christ in me. 
Symmetry chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse God. All of us live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our own, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, in his rich mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Let's read that again. It is only by God's grace that you are saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God, who pointed to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are reunited with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do good things that he planned for us a long time ago. Was that not fair? It isn't about you. You may well be good. You may well be bad. <laughs> and we are all only here because of what Jesus did. And we need to be aware that we are flawed individuals. And that there is a thing in us that constantly strives for self-righteousness. Because if you are not aware of the weakness, you won't be protecting against it. And that path leads away from Christ. Obviously, my way. I'm good, like I need good things. I've got my life, like, well, I've got a good job, I have a family now. It's very easy to acknowledge that you need Christ when you are completely broken and in the lowest part of your life. What if you're successful? What if you have everything you need? What if you have the job, the family, the career? What if you're really comfortable? You're you're joyful. You don't have that weight anymore. You know that you're saved, like, you know, that's very easy without realizing. I don't know, I'm fine. Grand. And that's what we need to protect against. So that clearly tells us you are only saved by God's wonderful love and kindness. That He gave up His Son to take all our mistakes on Him. Nothing but. We did. Nothing that I did will ever make me right with God. I may have it all together, but that doesn't mean that I don't need God. And our ebbs and flows. And I think this is here because Paul knew the people he was writing to, and he knew that they were walking with the Lord. And the thing is, when you first know God, there's a big like, I was, like Anna was saying about John. He was like, yeah, and then I feel like, you know, you're full of passion. You'd be like. 
I kind of got baptized in the spirit and went to someone's bus stop and was like, God's gonna, they're gonna understand me. And he started sneaking because a random person at a bus stop and told him the person was like, what? <laughs> um, you're just full of passion. You're so, you've no innovations. You just love God and you want to tell the world. Um, but as life goes on and as stuff happens, and as maybe you get more conformed to like, what's not how it or like stuff like that. And sometimes we can lose um, the realization of why this happened. Like, God saved you. He did all the work. You know, you may have gone to a meeting and someone may have preached. They may have been holding the mic or someone came to your flat and prayed with you. They didn't save you. They allowed God to move through them and help you, like, come and be the mouthpiece and start you on the journey. But, like, no one, no one, the only person did that part of this Families look like can look like many things, right? But one person on their own can't really constitute a family. You need more than one person to be in a family. And I think with this pandemic that some of us have lost our social skills. And I can understand, like, I'm an extrovert and I'm chatty. I would talk to anybody. I love meeting people. I get energized at parties and stuff like that. So, like, I'm an extrovert. So, for me to be feeling a bit anxious about everything and kind of want to stick to my own people or my bubble, it made me stop and think, what about people who aren't extroverts? What about people who are naturally introverts? How much harder is the opening up of everything going to be? And we need to be gentle with each other. But we also need to keep each other accountable because that's what a family does and that's what God tells us. We need each other. It's not just me and my Bible. I could do me and my Bible. There have been times where I have. I can do me and my Bible. But this part of me is better. And with this opening up of things, some people are going to be very uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, that's okay. Fine. We will find someone to walk through this with you. Okay? But the thing is, we can't live the gospel on our own. We need each other. You cannot be in the family on your own. That's an island, not a family. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you're an expert, some people are like, yes, they're going to meet everyone in the party. Like, if that's your thing, you know, to share the gospel, you have to be interested in other people. If you're not interested in other people, because that you've got like, all these, it's such a like mind mess as much as a physical mess that we've been through, that you have to sit back and sometimes you have to think about things and and ask our voice. There's a scripture in black and white, and then we read between what the essence of what they're saying is. We're in a family through what Christ has done for us. We cannot say we're in that family if we're living on our own. We have to be together. We have to find ways to be together. 
even if it causes you social, if it's getting you anxious and stuff, I'm acknowledging that's a very real feeling. However, God has said we need to be together. So let's find a way and work together that if you're finding this difficult, that we'll walk the steps through with you. Because we need each other in our lives. We could stay in our, this could be, okay, this is a nice bubble, but then we forget to share the gospel. So if you are here today and you do not know Christ, we want you in the family. We want you in the club. You are welcome here. Every race, every colour, every creed, every accent, every mess that you might bring in, we want you. You are welcome. Christ wants you. If you know Christ, let's see that he has us. You are saved to what he did for you, not what you have done. And part of that responsibility and free of the, being in the family is we need to keep the door open and find a way to have as many people at the table as we can. And with everything, you may have closed the door a bit because you're anxious or I can't talk to people. Some people are called, I will never be an old honey. Or I can't. I will never. Okay? But maybe one person I can help. Maybe I can talk to one person at the bus stop. Maybe I can help one man who's struggling. But you have to want to. So let's just end this remembering that we are in God's family because of what Christ has done for us. But part of being a family is not being on your own. Let's get more people in the family. Not in the church building. Not in your clique. Sharing Christ. So I'm going to pray something from chapter 3 because I've gone on too long. Sorry for keeping this. I'm going to pray a prayer for if anybody doesn't know Christ. And then the next prayer I'm going to say for those of us who do, that God would give us that heart for other people. Because we're so overwhelmed with the anxiety and pain and stuff that's been going on that we sometimes. It's hard to remember that there's people living in darker darkness than we are. And that, I'll read a bit of the scripture then. God, I just pray for anybody who's here, Lord, that wants to be in the, in the family. Lord, we believe that you are the Lord God of heaven. That you sent your son to die on the cross to take away all our sins. And we believe that on the third day he rose again, proving that he is the son of God and that he has taken our sins away. God, I just pray for anybody who doesn't know that God, that they would just say, call out to you, God, and ask you to come and be their Lord and Savior. They are welcome in this place. They are safe in this place. And God, I pray for everybody who does know you, Lord, who's come out of this crazy season, or is coming out of this crazy season, Lord. That, Father, we would have open doors, open hearts, and open spaces at our family table, Lord. Help us be interested in other people. Don't let our struggles overwhelm the truth of the matter, God, that you have saved us through what you have done, Lord. 
Give us a heart for people. Give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen.